Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday. (laughs) It is. Um, Happy White Happens Day. Uh, Yeah, it was like, go start the show without it, would you? (laughs) So we ran back. Yeah. Made all, oh. made all these notes for the show. And I know during upstairs. coffee time, during our coffee time. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead and shout out where you guys are listening from today, Please. and um, and uh, yeah, we Sweet always we always like to see it. who's who's uh, tuning in. Um, so did you get the link nope. added? No, we we got the link added, or we'll get the link added for Monday's episode. Yeah, yeah, so you can just do a search. I mean, if you watched Monday's episode, we talked about some key numbers and. We, we have an old YouTube video out there, uh, an old webinar that we did that mm-hmm. covers a lot of those in more depth. So I still have that on my to-do list. So I'll make sure and get that uh, added to the yeah. the thread from uh, Monday's episode. And then um, Brent Carmichael is on Friday. On Friday. And oh, just really, really enjoy him. We get quite a few giggles in. Yeah. Oh, it's always when fun. we're together. <laughs> and listen, there's just very few people in the industry with more experience than Brent Carmichael. Right? I, just well, to tell you how much experience, Brent Carmichael was Jim's uh, twenty group moderator. He was my second twenty group moderator. Yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a, I was with NCM when um, as a dealer whenever mm-hmm. uh, Brent joined them, and so he became my moderator. So that's how I got to know him. That was somewhere yeah. around. 08, 07. Nice. So yeah, it's been, it's been a while. Yeah. So yeah, it's been really fun for me to get to know him. He's a, yeah. he's a really knowledgeable, great, uh, great way of artic. He has a great way of articulating ideas. And, and he is yeah. a prince of a guy who is <laughs> happy to ask the hard questions. And he does. And they do, they do an awful lot of, uh, podcasting together right. with, uh, tote the note, mm-hmm. which is kind of more the hard, yeah. hard questions. Yeah. Um, so today is White Hat Wednesday. It is. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and we're yeah. we're here to kind of talk about. Um, we're in, this is the month of collections, and we just have a few more episodes left in the month of May, and um, yeah. this one is about why there is friction, drama um, associated with conflict. Conflict. Use, yeah. There's use a word of your choice. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's just a lot of struggles. We see that. And I got to say, I think what you and I see is that this is kind of an area where you and I will be doing a lot of our coaching in the coming years is like where I, where I see us kind of taking on this stuff about mm-hmm. why, why is there conflict? Why do we just kind of accept that that's the way it is and the way it's always going to be, especially when I consider some of our past polls suggest, and I didn't fish them out for this morning, but it's like, I know that our polls mm-hmm. suggest we just referred to it in a recent episode about only ten percent, like single digits. Yeah, it was less than ten percent of the dealers um, who responded to our yeah. polls said less than ten percent of the customers are are true troublemakers. So if that's mm-hmm. true, why is there so much noise out there in the collection department? So much conflict, mm-hmm. negative reviews. Like why are we? Because they really from? truly are the exception, not the rule. Yeah. yeah. And so if we really focus on the rule, if most customers are really have decent intentions, and if we have decent intentions, 
there shouldn't be so much conflict. Agreed. Right? Agreed. So it's like, let's let's keep working to get to the bottom of that. I think we're going to offer some suggestions today based on our own perspective. And I think, you know, like we talked about a little bit on Monday, I think that was Monday when we talked about this thing with dealers becoming known, liked, and trusted. Mm-hmm. I think for today, when I'll just remind our listeners who are tuning in, didn't see the the title, you know, we're talking about why so much friction and drama in the buy here, pay here collection departments. And so the question really, when we look at it is there's, there's several elements to this. And one of them is we feel like collectors could do more for collection supervisors or, you know, dealers who manage those teams uh, or oversee those teams could help to have the collectors become more known, liked, and trusted themselves. We, we talk an awful lot about that known, liked, and trusted as a dealer. Um, yeah. because you know, your, your, your dealership, your dealer, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you're about ready to step into a three plus and we, again, your 10 year approach. Right. So we're looking at this as how do we foster a good relationship that we anticipate is going to last 10 plus years. Right. And, um, so, you know, good guy, the, the known, liked and trusted, um, and just as the business in general, but we were talking this morning about um, who is it that has the most communication, the most, who is the representative of, of the dealership during the, you know, the, the lion's share of your relationship mm-hmm. with the dealership. And that would be your collectors. Right. Um, and we, so we kind of, uh, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, uh, if you're looking at this from the lens of a consumer, the customer mm-hmm. looking in, what perception, this is a really great question to ask yourself, what um, what does interaction with your your collection department look like? Yeah. Like if you, if you were to, um, if, you know, put yourself in, in those boots mm-hmm. that you're having a, a difficult time or, you know, uh, it's, it, you're a little bit late, um, whether or not because you're having a difficult time or you just forgot or whatever it is, what does it look like for the, for your customer, for our customers when, uh, that interaction? Yeah, I think that is an important question to, to go out and ask. I think, and, and of course our, our friend and and fellow uh, you know colleague and coach mm-hmm. uh, Maggie Pagesic mm-hmm. was with us last Friday and she can actually do uh, what does she call it mystery shopping yeah so obviously a lot of times that's done on the retail side or the sales side but but it can also be done on the collection side and so we can kind of um, have a chance to you know survey that because I do think it's important for dealers to have a good feel for what is the customer experience like on the collection side. If 90% of the customers have good intentions, Mm -hmm. then, you know, maybe if our repo rate is running high, we should, we should first ask ourselves how much of that could be us. Yeah. That's an always an important question. I wanted to point out, George um, posted something. He says, does does the 80, 20 rule apply to collections? Um, Certain percentage pay with almost no problems ever. And the troublemakers who won't pay and end up being repossessed and the 80% require and respond to our efforts, building relationship. I think from my perspective, you know, I think it does like 80% of the people that you work with are like, it's just golden. I mean, you don't yeah. have any problems. So in that 20% are two, two groups of people. Yeah. George at the, um, 2021, um, 
NABD Super Forum now, mm-hmm. or no, then it was called whatever it's called now. It's called the Super Forum. But mm-hmm. anyway, the um, we actually drew a pie chart. Like we had dealers on the stage and we had them draw a mm-hmm. pie chart. And I would say, based on my own experience, it's more like the pie chart that we typically draw would be more like a, let me make sure I get my math right here, 60, 35, 5. <laughs> like it would be, 60% of the customers are no trouble at all. They ACH and the, and you almost never talk to them. And then 35% are on a group I might call high maintenance or that I have traditionally called high maintenance. They just require some handholding and, and, and they're not real good at managing the money. So we kind of got to stay, stay after them a little bit. So that's that, that group. And then that five to 10% is just, they're troublemakers. We, they got through our underwriting and then mm-hmm. we put them on the books and they're just a problem and they're just yeah. out to take advantage of everybody. But that's a small group. I mean, we just reconfirmed that through a, a survey or through a poll in Facebook not long ago. And it was, everybody was saying like the 10% troublemakers is a really small, but that's, uh, uh, I, what I would encourage dealers to do is don't consider high maintenance mm-hmm. the same as troublemakers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause they're, thing. they're two different things. Um, you know, it's troublemakers, just, like they, they intend on being a problem. Yeah. And so obviously mm-hmm. we want to, we, we hope to snag those or hope to identify that mm-hmm. in underwriting. If we miss it in underwriting, then we, um, we're going to try to, uh, you know, put, I always say we, we don't, uh, allow that customer to consume much of our energy mm-hmm. for very long. Mm-hmm. If they can, uh, be counseled and, and be made to straighten up and fly right is the yeah. phrase I've always used. Like if they can behave, then they can stay with you. I mean, we don't use this language with the customer, but it's like, we just mm-hmm. solve the problem. If we can't, if the customer can't straighten out and perform, then we, you know, we end the business relationship and move on because we can't have our collectors, you know, tied yeah. up in that. And that's yeah. not the way we want to do business anyway. So, so I think it's really just that whole thing about high maintenance and do we let that customer frustrate us? But I think the bigger thing that you and I wanted to get to today is when we look at this whole thing with the collections departments, mm-hmm. I think what we see is there's just not enough of a relationship there with the customer mm-hmm. and the collection department. So listen, practices vary. In some operations, dealers might or collection supervisors might divide up a collection list. And this, a lot of what we're talking about here applies to every operation. But right now I'm talking about these operations mm-hmm. that have, you know, at least two or three collectors on a team. So now they're dividing up the list somehow, or they're otherwise segregating the list and working it. And I'm simply saying we would like to see collectors or the collection team have more of a relationship with the customer so that they communicate, have some level of communication dialogue, even if that's just a one-way thing where it's mm-hmm. newsletters and videos and whatever else, then we know that having some sort of relationship and understanding of the collector mm-hmm. is going to have an impact. Yes. One of the things we were talking about, like, how do you um, encourage your collectors? What, what, um, yeah, what would you like your collectors to do? to build that kind of relationship. And so mm-hmm. we, you know, we were talking about a, a few different ideas, you know, again, we, the long gone are the days where 60% of your clientele of your, your, your book of business actually physically come into the dealership weekly or biweekly to make their payment. That mm-hmm. just, it doesn't happen anymore. You you're probably down to what, 10, 20%. Tops yeah, yeah. of people that actually come in, and um, and of those ten to twenty percent, 
they're not all going to be, they're going to be the people that you probably wouldn't have to worry about anyway, or ones that you've, um, you've made arrangements. And so they're mm -hmm. fulfilling their, their end of the, of the, the bargain. So how do you do that? Um, and so, you know, we were, we were kind of, uh, brainstorming a little bit about how you can encourage your, your, how you can create an, a culture in, mm -hmm. um, your collections department and in your book of business where the collector is their friend, right. um, that they can trust them. Um, but that, you know, that they, they, they can have the hard conversations with this person. Um, they're going to hold firm to whatever the the, um, your policies and all of that are, but how do you do that? And, um, one of the things, and we, we mentioned this, uh, we talked a little bit of, with Bill about, uh, texting and, um, uh, obviously you're going to need to have the infrastructure to be able to send texts. Um, and we really do believe that, you know, a friendly text in, in written form is great, but a video text of, Hey, this is, Hey, it's Mary just wanted to let you know that we're doing a thing and, um, da, 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 come and join us. Um, Hey, it's Mary. Um, you know, just, just wanted to say, Hey, thanks so much for, um, for making your payment on time today. And, um, or something like that. I mean, something that is, that, that has, has more, um, uh, has more of a flavor of who the person is and, and that you're just friendly. And that well, any kind help. of dialogue that we can mm -hmm. have with the customer that is not about a late payment. Yeah, and especially if we can make it, it a positive, yeah. if we can talk to them mm -hmm. about, um, you know, like you say, there's a giveaway, Hey, we're doing a, a you know, a cookout on Friday mm -hmm. or anything we can do to, you know, increase the dialogue, you know, human to human dialogue. And, and when we can't reach them on the phone, then a video is the next best thing. Mm -hmm. Um, we have to be careful with video from a compliance standpoint, because we, we just got to make sure that, you know, when we talk about payments, we just got to be careful about what we can say from a compliance standpoint. So, you know, we'll ask our listeners to make sure and check the compliance elements mm -hmm. of what they do, but really we're just advocating for, and I, and I use that word advocate because we've also talked about, I think you can do a search and find our past morning show where we talked about advocacy. So that's a little different thing. We're really talking about a person on the team or mm -hmm. multiple people that really fill a role of, of advocacy until we have that though, yeah. our collectors can fill that role. Well, and, and another thing that we were chatting about this morning is, um, you know, when you put, post a position um, and like looking for collectors, uh, people are automatically going to that are that are looking for these listings are automatically okay. I'm a collector. I have to be a hard da 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 da. Um, you know, I'm about collecting money, and that's it's it's not about a relationship. It's about I'm I'm there to collect money and keep you know, keep payments coming in and there's certain, um, internal pressures that are associated with that, you know, bonuses, um, quotas, all of that kind of stuff. What if, and this is something we've worked with a lot of different dealers that first off is that they're no longer called collectors, that they're, they're customer success representatives, they're, they're customer, uh, you know, we've account managers, account yeah. managers or something, uh, you know, account success managers. Um, and so that just even in the title of the position that it's like, you're something more, you're, you're you know, it's, you're something more than just someone who's collecting payments. You're there to be a representative mm -hmm. of 
the of your consumer and to sure. be to be and and the dealership it's like you're there to help and help help your uh, your 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 consumers your customers be successful and yeah i think you know the way I, I was thinking about it is like do our collectors does the collection team at any given dealership look like a team of hired guns mm. like are they only deployed when the payment becomes past due and now we're out there doing a job because it's pretty hard to make the case for what you just described. Mm -hmm. If the only context or the only dialogue I ever have with the customer is when the accounts past due, now I'm reaching out. I'm, I just come across like a hired gun, right? Mm -hmm. My job is to get that payment in the bank. And so it, it just kind of feels that way. So, you know, I, we got Tommy coming to join us. Tommy Brandis, the dealer for out of Pennsylvania, will be here with us on the 31st. And, and, you know, Tommy's a big believer in the relationship side. He, We will talk about, I'm sure, uh, this thing about managing the relationship on the collection side versus underwriting, you know, and mm -hmm. how, how, you know, in his belief, um, relationship management trumps underwriting. You can, you can be more flexible in your underwriting when you're good on the customer relations side and collections. Hard to argue with that. Like, it's like you can solve a lot of problems with, you know, you're just still in your underwriting and trying to avoid the real troublemakers. Yeah. But because, you know, we, we're not in the counseling business, we can, we can't necessarily solve that one, yeah. you know, all the time, but we can, if it's just solve problems re regarding, you know, um, money management or those kind of things, we can work through that stuff. And so I think that's what we have to re remember is that the intentions of most of our customers are good. And if our intentions are good, then it should be easier for us to navigate this. Doesn't mean there won't still be some late payments. There won't be some setbacks, some stuff to work through. But as far as high volume, you know, mm -hmm. um, high drama conversations, um, we hope we would have enough equity. You know, we use that word sometimes, but like, that's the nature of trust. In order for us to have some level of trust with the customer, that if we want them to trust us, mm -hmm. then we have to, in our practices, we have to create that. We have to first be known. You can't trust somebody you don't know. So you have mm -hmm. to know them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you hope you like them. And, uh, and then you develop some level of trust. But that's just, that accumulates over time. You know, it does. But there are things that you can do to build that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I love your thing. Are, have you hired? Uh, are your collectors hired guns? Are they the enemy? Um, yeah. Because that's that's if you've hired guns and you've hired someone who it's like they're going to be hard nosed and they're going to do then you've hired someone that is not uh, if, if that's if that's the approach, mm -hmm. then it's not going to have uh, um a level of trust. It's like this, this is, it's just not going to, you're, it's, you've created an environment where you're not going to be, if it's a hired gun, it's like, it's adversarial in yeah. nature. And I think, you yeah. know, there, we know that there are pressures, right? Mm -hmm. There are, um, some of those pressures are internal. Like yeah. there can be pressures that are created. And when I talk about pressure, I'm talking about the pressure that the can, well, let's say it can come from different levels. The dealer could be putting pressure on the manager. Manager's then putting pressure on the collections team. Now mm -hmm. the collections team is putting pressure on the customer. Okay. A certain amount of that is the nature of the business, right? The mm -hmm. question becomes, when is our internal pressure causing us to be inconsistent with the customer? Mm 
Mm-hmm. And that causes us to lose some level of trust with the customer. It's like we, we first have to be consistent. And then in order to, once we create this level of trust, and I saw what Tyler shared there about the, the empathy part, it's like, yeah, we're problem, we're, solvers. We're problem solvers. I've always problem said solvers. that about collections. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I like the advocacy term. It's like, I'm, I'm approaching the customer with tools in my tool belt to help solve a problem. So talk to me, but to talk, like we talked about that one this morning, it's like, if, if I'm your customer and I see that there's a call coming in from Joe's auto credit, mm-hmm. do I want to answer the call or not? Like, am I going to talk to a hired gun or am I going to talk to somebody who genuinely cares about what's going on with me and is willing to work with me? Because my willingness to answer that phone call has a lot to do with what my perception, right or wrong, my perception is about that phone call. And that mm-hmm. person that I'm going to, you know, get on the other end of the line. So these are things that I think we, you know, you and I recognize that, you know, we're having this conversation on a white hat Wednesday. This is part of how we see white hat practices mm-hmm. is breaking this stuff down and starting to, to understand how can we build on this relationship? How can we get the customers to communicate and be honest with us? Well, one thing is we got to be honest with them. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that we're not. I'm just saying. Well, that's we, one of the white hat ways is honesty, honesty. and transparency. But honesty and, is yeah. a two way street. It is. You can't demand honesty from somebody else and then be, you know, fibbing to them the whole time. It's like, or why would they say that we're fibbing to them? Well, it depends. What's the nature of the relationship been up to now? Have mm-hmm. we overpromised them on the sales side? And so they, they think we're not honest. Why should they, you know, is that's the way honesty works. It's just, it's a simple thing. It's like, I can't demand or expect anybody else to be honest with me if I'm not truthful with them, Mm -hmm. right? So, so we have to sort of create that. And this goes back to that thing about building trust and making deposits. And we, we have to go first and just demonstrate Mm -hmm. to the customers that we're, we're here to support them. We're here to solve problems Mm -hmm. and we do it in an empathetic way, as, as Tyler said. And so this is, this is how you start to save more charge-offs as we talked mm-hmm. about before you know i had bill elizondo on talking about saving repos these things are part of how you communicate with customers in a way that they start to get it and they trust us and they are prepared mm-hmm. to um you know they're, they're more comfortable communicating with us about whatever's going on because if we're if i'm the collector and consistently i'm bringing an approach that without using the phrase or the language, they can see that my approach is such that I expect you, Mr. Customer or Mrs. Customer to be with us for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So today's problem is a very small problem. So we shouldn't have high volume and high drama. It's yeah, it's upsetting. I don't misunderstand. I understand the customer's upset because they're dealing with some sort of setback and it's, it's frustrating and it's stressful for them. I get that. Mm -hmm. But my approach to them, I hope, is one that whatever it is, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Whatever it is, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. It might be something going on in your personal life. It might be, you know, whatever it is. Let's, we're, we expect you to be, and again, the, those words don't have to come out of my mouth, but mm-hmm. my approach is I expect you to be a customer with us for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So let's figure this out. And so that's kind of, think, I think, how we begin to do that. And I just find that that's easy to say. We just don't, we don't see a lot of it. We don't see a lot of departments using that approach. I see them more. And when I say hired guns, obviously that's inflammatory, but it's like, if I only, if I'm a customer and I only hear from you when my customer, when my account is past due, 
Isn't that the conclusion that I would, mm-hmm. would naturally draw? Yes. Um, yeah. The, yeah. So there's there are a couple of other things that we were chatting about this morning, and and one is, it's really it's 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 really important. I mean, you can hire someone as a customer advocate or as um, customer success, uh, account success manager, whatever, um, that have already different skills and you know. Uh, that have a great way of communicating with people and all of that. But it's really important that we support them internally too. Um, that as a dealer, as a dealership, as a as a collection manager, that we offer them a, a lot of support. And I think I think that um of anyone in the in the team in a dealership, um, our our collectors are our front line. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone on the team uh, needs support. It's them. And, and so service advice and our ser- uh, service. service uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Service <laughs> yeah. managers as well. Right, yes. Yeah. I absolutely. Yeah. Um, we, we don't do an awful lot with service managers, right. but we do, you know, good collectors. And so how can you support them, um, and help them be better and help them have a positive attitude and help them to, to, to start their day or their week or whatever. And there's, you know, there's, a lot of opportunities. The 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 internet is chock full of inspirational TED talks of um, you know different influencers that are out there that are about this is this is how you, you know, how you connect to people all of that. So you know just a little bit of watching something and as a manager or as a dealer, if you run across something, it's like oh that's awesome. Send it on to your uh, send it on to your collectors. So, you know, give, give them that little boost of like, oh, that was a really great thing that I learned. Hey guys, I just wanted to share this with you. Here's something that's positive that we can, you know, that, uh, to help inspire you, support you for the day. And also give them the resources that they need to be a problem solver. Right. And let's talk about that for just a minute about what kind of resources are we talking about when, well, what are the be, resources? So it'd be tools. I mean, part of this mm-hmm. falls into policy. And so if you, there's a whole thing that we could probably break this down. If we have an opportunity between now and, and the close of the month of May, while we're focused on collections, we can dig into this thing about what is the, the, by policy, what does the collection supervisor, whoever's directing collections, and we realize a lot of the dealers who would be listening today, they're small. They're, you know, their collection department is one person, and so you don't have even a collection manager. That's a dealer and a collector, right? Mm-hmm. So there could be the same thing. But either way, the regardless of what that chain of command looks like, we, we need a clear boundary for policy. We mm-hmm. need a clear way for um, adjusting the policy like on the fly, like mm-hmm. we, we need to be able to make exceptions. Um, and so we need a process for that because we don't, no point in writing policies if we're just going to let everybody you know have gray lines on everything. Mm-hmm. We, we have to have <laughs> boundaries, but we have a way to make that exception. So you're talking about the dealer has certain authority, a collection supervisor might have certain authority, then you would move into the collectors would have very limited authority. But but one of the things we would want to do is make sure that they have ample authority. Cause if we're going to charge them with the thing of being problem solvers, if I sit over here trying to solve problems with an empty tool belt, mm-hmm. I can't be very effective. So yeah. it's like, so I think that when you're talking about collectors having limited authority, um, it, that, that's like in general, but if they, that you want to give them the authority to be able to use the tools in their tool belt. Yeah. And I'll just give you a quick list. Like these are just some of the first things that came to mind. Like I would say 
if maybe I could give my collectors the authority to authorize a tow. If a customer's car is broken down, then if I as a collector could authorize the order of a tow, maybe it still goes through a chain of command, but I have the authority to arrange that immediately to get a customer's car moved to wherever they need to a mechanic of their choice, whatever. So it's one example. Uh, another one would be, do I have the authority to grant a customer more time? We don't love verbal. We don't recommend verbal no. extensions. Yeah. We want to see that stuff in writing. In this day and age, it's so easy to throw initial on something on the mm -hmm. phone that we would we would be advocating for that, something in writing. So so a collector has those tools available. There, I'll give you some others. And this is a question of who has the authority to do this. So if, if I'm meeting with a customer who is, um, and maybe I'm on the phone virtually, whatever, and the customer's asking for more time, then I'm going to have certain remedies that I know. And the way I train that is I would ask um, dealers, collection supervisors, even collectors, regardless of who their authority is, whatever tools I have in my tool belt or whatever, um, you know, cards I might be able to pull out. I kind of have them in my back pocket and I sit on them just as long <laughs> and as and I that's, can. That's a training thing. It's like, yeah. you're not throwing out the, here's the, the, the biggest, the biggest thing we can give, but you're working your way into Yeah. And, and it's I just help? one of these things that yeah. it's look, the reality is that the folks, even though their intentions are good, these are human beings. And if we give them a path of least resistance, they're going to want it next week again. And the month after that. And so it's like, we, we have to be judicious about those things. We want to solve problems. And, and we first want to solve problems without going, drawing out the big card, you know, the big gun and solving the problem that way. Because once the customer understands that, you know, that tool is available, then you can expect they're going to ask for it again and again. So, so this is just training. This is how, but regardless, I'm going to have a certain amount of tools, I hope as a collector to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's a payment arrangement. Hopefully it's in writing with some documentation, you know, to support the thing. And so we've got that authority, but whatever that looks like, it's like the, having the authority to, you know, actually go in and fix certain things. So you need to take a break. No, mm -hmm. I just, I, sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Grimace. So I thought you were, <laughs> thought you need to step out, but yeah, I think uh, we're, uh, we just feel like this is an area where um, there's a lot of opportunity for mm -hmm. dealers in this space. And um, we, and I think this is true regardless of the size of the operation that you know anything we can do to advocate for the dealer uh gives us or give a chance to advocate rather for the consumer then that is going to increase our chance of mm -hmm. success when we have some relationship with them they know us they trust us they can count on us to be truthful with them and, and they'll be truthful in return with us and maybe not the first time like we understand that's not sometimes the nature of our mm -hmm. customers as Tommy says, have been survivors. They've been, and mm -hmm. part of how they've survived is making promises and buying time. And, you know, so that's the nature of, of the uh, consumer in this, um, this credit sector, but it's something that can be solved. Mm -hmm. And we, we know that it's, it's incumbent upon us as the dealer creditor to install these measures and, you know, Michelle touched on the training thing. I hope all of our departments are having routine training, but certainly our collections team. And if we bring them together periodically only to offer them, as you said, resources, new tools and resources, mm -hmm. some um, sort of reaffirmation to, mm -hmm. to reaffirm for them that we've got their back. Right. And so we, we can kind of, um, you know, that, because we see that turnover is really high mm -hmm. in collection departments and we've, we've got to 
we've got to do better about that. We've got to, because it's a difficult job. And if we get somebody in there, it's good. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's give them what they need to do the job and enjoy it and be able to stay with it. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a kind of often a thankless job. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we, uh, we need to get better about giving them tools, giving yeah. them resources, education, whatever, and backing them up to make sure they've got what they need. Give them the support they need. Absolutely. Um, I want to, uh, for me, I'm going to squirrel just a little bit. Okay. This is about collections. You know, we talked this uh, when we started about how, what percentage of our, um, our customer base, our book, our book of business are, you know, they just kind of like do their thing. They pay every, you know, pay every week or every other week. We don't really have any problems. You know, we might have one phone call or, or none with them through the course of this three-year relationship. Um, imagine if you would, if you really did have collectors reach out um, in a friendly and and um, not reactionary but proactive way to your entire book of business to all of the people on a you know a regular cadence of some kind you know it's like this is what's happening hey we'd love to have you come in um, imagine when you can build that kind of relationship, these are people that are not problems, but it's like, man, I really like these people. Imagine how much more likely you are to get them in the next car, how much more likely you are to have them say, you know, hey, Joe, I saw that you're looking for a car. You need to go talk to these people. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. um, how how likely you are to, to have those referrals, how likely you are to have those repeat customers. If you are taking just some time proactively to keep a good relationship, you know, a friendly face in front of people as they go about their, their day. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's something that we can do. And we're all the time working with dealers on the marketing side of their business is just saying, let your community get to know you. Mm -hmm. You're a good person. Let them get to know and you. And your first community is your book of business. Yeah. That's like the entire thing. That's, you know, your collectors should know the people that are in your book of business. Yeah, and I'm just saying, look, and social media too. provides a, an excellent mm -hmm. opportunity for us to let the folks in our community get to know us because mm -hmm. we're not bad people. And so we, we have a little bit of a, a PR thing that works against us in this industry, use car dealers in general, and then buy here, pay here on top of that. It's like, we have some stuff to overcome, which all that really means for me is just let, let the community get to know the real you because the real you is a really decent group of people. Mm -hmm. And so again, it starts with the dealer, but it's like, we, for some reason, we think we got to sell these cars with, um, you know, valve cover leaks and, and weak tires and like, let's get the, let's let the customers get to know and feel good about us. And so that's about the community. And, um, and so that's why I think marketing, you know, this is kind of on the marketing side, but there's nothing we can do. We've, we've verified, you know, a number of occasions we've verified that we know that nothing can have more of an impact on your future sales, repeat and referral business than the relationship you're collectors have with your customers. So that whole mm -hmm. three, four year relationship, how that goes is going to have a lot to do with how much business we do later and, and how successful those customers that are on the books now are going to be. Right. So it's um, there's, there's always tons to talk about around that, but I think it's that we kind of covered the part that I yeah. thought was most So important. I mean, it's it kind of like base it or I'll boil it all down. The best way to keep from having friction and drama with your collection department is to 
help your your uh, book of business know who who they are and build a relationship with them and also um uh give them the tools that they yeah. need to be able to effectively solve problems right. sure all right yep all Very right good. is that let's is wrap that up all yeah right. let's wait well on come back um, friday <laughs> got brent carmichael brent carmichael on friday we're looking forward to having him he's always such a pleasure yeah. have a great wednesday um we really appreciate you listening in and we will chat with you all uh, on friday thanks guys thanks